folks today's podcast we're going to look at basically the experience of life for women in early 20 20th century ireland and the basis of this podcast is going to be split up over how i suppose women were seen as second class citizens in 20th century ireland or at least at the beginning of um, 20th century ireland this whole topic we're going to split up over two different podcasts there's a lot to it and we'll just kind of get stuck into it basically so our learning outcome around this topic is um to explain how the experience of women in irish society changed during the 20th century and what that basically means for us is first and foremost it's a very broad learning outcome so there's a lot that we can cover here and um, if any anyone goes on to study history in college well me anyway i done a whole year about the experience of life for women in 20th century ireland and how that changed over the over the 100 years so i suppose it's difficult to actually break this down and to focus on certain elements um but basically firstly in this episode we're going to cover how women were treated as second class citizens and we're going to do that by looking through the end the lens of education voting employment and the struggle for um irish independence then the second podcast we're going to kind of cover more the gradual change from an independent ireland and right up to the position of women at the end of the 20th century so we'll the second episode here is going to be more focused on how that experience of life changed first area of focus around this topic is going to be around the aspect of voting so in 1900 women were legally inferior to men so they could not vote their rights to property were very low and they had very little rights in education so their rights to education and property were extremely limited and they were basically well there's no even basically they were legally discriminated against in the workplace so like women across the globe saw this or saw the right to vote as the key to advancing women women's rights in other areas so this was like the first stepping stone for women so this campaign for voting rights was called suffrage while the women who campaigned were called suffragettes so this suffragette movement i suppose was more popular in britain before spreading to ireland in 1908 when hannah sheehy skeffington found the irish women's franchise league or the iwfl and this organization basically just campaigned for um the right for women to vote they did this by i suppose copying the same tactics that were used by the suffragettes in in britain so this was hosting parades um, attacks on property quite often hunger strikes while they were in prison and then we could look at we could look at Sheehy's geffen in, in a lot more detail but i suppose she actually is regarded by historians as one of ireland's more influential women who promoted women women's rights in the early 20th century and if my memory serves me right she's famously credited for um symbolically smashing the idea of male rule in ireland by throwing rocks at dublin castle's windows and um, this was actually in response to women being excluded from the franchise of the third home rule bill and once again i actually think she he's lost her job as a teacher as a result of this act which is which is ironic when we look at the role of women in education in the early 20th century that kind of segues us into our second aspect that we're going to look at 
which is education. So while the number of girls attending schools increased during the 1800s, um, as a result of, I suppose, huge effort by Catholic religious orders, it was only in 1908 that all universities were opened up to women. So at this time, only 10% of university students were actually women. And all of these students were from, you know, wealthier backgrounds, higher middle class backgrounds, and um, where they had the money and could afford to send their children, especially their women children. I suppose to give an example of this taking place in Ireland, we could look to the work of Alice Oldham, who launched a campaign to allow women to attend Trinity College at the start of the 20th century. Um, Oldham achieved her aim in 1904 and there's actually a student prize in Trinity College named after Alice Oldham now because of this. And I suppose just to go back to education on a broader viewpoint in Ireland, the vast majority of girls actually just left education before the age of 14. Um, and I suppose this is how we can see that education in Ireland was held back or constraining people due to both gender and class. So only really the rich and males could advance past a certain point in education. And then, you know, we could go into so much detail talking about the impact that that had on the rest of society, not just on the effect on people, but the, eff the effect it had on Ireland's econom or economy or economic status as well. Third aspect of this episode, we're gonna look at employment for women at the start of the 20th century in Ireland. So women were basically expected to marry and have children at the beginning of the century. It was just normal in society to just believe their husbands would provide for them. So it was seen like literally there was no reason for women to work. And um, yes, some women did work before they got married. So around 45% of national school teachers were women. That's where we can link in with uh, Sheehy Skeffington. But women, legally actually had to give up their jobs when they got married so most middle class women did not work but instead they actually supervised their servants who did the housework and looked after the children and that actually really does remind me um around the duties of a lady in a medieval manner that they were there to look after the servants while the servants actually um did the housework um reared the kids and then i suppose poorer women especially single ones actually had to work outside the home as well. So they worked as servants, maids, cooks, nannies to the kind of higher classes, or they actually worked as street traders where they were paid much lower wages than men for the same work. And then I suppose we could look to rural areas where women were expected to help on the farm, as well as run the household, as well as look, kind of look after the animals and the kids. And it was just, especially in this area of employment, we can see the unequality that was just ingrained in Irish society at the time. Moving on to look at the role of women in the independence movement. Um, this is an area that was like immediately overlooked um, in the years after the independence movement, right up to the middle of the 20th century. And as we've previously discussed, women were excluded from active involvement in the home rule movement. But a women's organization, Come in the Bond, was founded in 1914 to support the independence movement in Ireland at the time. In 1916, Cumann became an auxiliary force to the Irish volunteers. So several women went on to fight in the 1916 Rising. We could look to the likes of Countess Markovich, Dr. Kathleen Lynn, Margaret Skinner, 
while others acted as messengers and nurses for the rebels over the duration of the week. So, like the most famous being there, Elizabeth Farrell, who was chosen by Patrick Pearce to deliver the surrender of the rebels to the British at the end of the 1916 Rising. Markovich would go on to become the first women, woman elected to Westminster in 1918, and she did not take her seat. Um, in her later political care- career, she served as Minister for Labour during the first all. And there's actually a great story about Markovich in a prison cell in London, um, obviously following her arrest for her involvement in 1916 Rising, where I suppose it's probably important to know she was actually uh, reported for being responsible for one death over the Rising. Um, she was just informed that she was nominated to stand as Sinn Féin's candidate for Dublin St. Patrick Ward in the 1918 election. And then she was actually quoted by the guards as saying, Freedom has dawned in the East. The light that was lit by the Russian democracy has illuminated Central Europe and is flowing westward. Nations are being reborn and Ireland's day is coming. Um, of course, it's interesting to know now that we understand how events folded um, or unfolded, shall I say. But I do believe this quote just gives us a great insight into Markovich's thinking and how possibly she thought that violence was a necessary means to an end, which is just really interesting to think about now that we understand her role in Ireland's struggle for independence. Anyway, um, the contributions of women during the struggle for independence were, as I said, ignored and basically denied in the years after 1922. Um, many women were actually refused military pensions that were granted to men who also fought the British over the course of Ireland's struggle for independence. Anyway, I didn't mean for this episode to be that long, but we're going to split this up into two topics, where next we'll go on to discuss how this change occurred for the experience of life for women. Anyways, I'll leave it there. See you soon, folks.